So, so the retreat we've we've all brought together uh, comes from everybody's attention, willingness, interest, commitment, support of the uh, people living here, cooks, managers, and so forth. Uh, it's an amazing space that's open in our lives, perhaps. It's a few miracles. Always good. They happen. And, uh, yeah, and me, whatever that is. Uh, really, in terms of something kind of. Um, more truthful the me that arises here is because of you and because of the situation clearly my physical form is supported by food and air but what, what's happening in my mind and heart is because of the situation and, and the interest and my, my personal interest in bringing forth something meaningful that I'm, I can I can talk about but I don't really prepare retreats because I think that gets in the way of the honesty of the openness I don't really have structured talks because I think it clutters up my mind <laughs> so I just uh, try to regain the center uh, and uh, open to what's around internally, externally and both mm. And yeah, things roll on. <laughs> Something's about to happen, isn't it? <laughs> and probably, you know, you pick up bits and pieces from what I'm saying that resonate with you, and some of it just flies out of the window. That's also fine. Uh, the retreat is a mysterious process, isn't it? It's not like a lecture, uh, it's not like a, a course. It's a retreat, and we trust somehow, you know, the centering that we're generating will give us from that, we'll hear what we need to hear, touch what we need to touch, be moved by what we need to be moved by, perhaps be met by challenges that we actually needed to be met by, because somehow the purity of our commitment and intention all kind of potentizes, you know, the centre it's unnameable. It says, okay, you know, where does your thought come from? You know? <laughs> Why does that one come up? Where did that memory come from? Yeah. So it's a very um, kind of ignorant statement to say, I think. That really, because who, where's the eye that thinks? Thoughts arise, yeah, and you recognize some of that arise because of whole this train of becoming, because that set that in going, that get going, go, 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 and then this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. We see these, you know, some of our concerns, our interests, so forth, certain channels are being created that thoughts pop out of and of course um, 
block channels that open up suddenly, ooh, and that emotional sense rises, moves through, or bodily channels open up, and that strange energy comes through. So what's going on? Well, things are opening up. That's what's going on. <laughs> and uh, that's where it's supposed to be. Mm. You know, trust that. So I'm listening to several of the questions yesterday and that can pop up quite naturally as well. What am I going to do? And, and rather beautifully, what am I going to do to help other people? That's really beautiful, you know. Not how do I get more money, but <laughs> that might be good to read. But how, how, how can I help others? You know, I'm concerned. That's, that's I think, you know, that's kind of beautiful that arises, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Where did that come from? You look around, you know, you can look at the glitter, you can look at the fashions, you can look at the shows, you can look at this, that, and the other things that are being presented to interest and fascinate when something sees the, the damage and things, oh dear, resonate. Mm. So, that's because the center kind of asks us to be compassionate, it aligns us to that. You don't have to force yourself to it. Naturally, when you get more centered, that quality of compassion starts to, hey, what's happening around me? Not just the good stuff that's in the shops and the headlines, but the damage. There's a lot of it. And it can be overwhelming, that realization. So then we can, oh, start to think, what can I do? feel guilty I'm not doing enough. So that you get these, these are called like anxiety resonances because when that shock of realization of suffering arises, one of the reactions is a certain kind of flutter of anxiety. What am I going to do? It's got a mode of compassion, but do, do, do. So naturally it moves towards you think think something <laughs> you know whatever you think of well you know I could support a ref- one refugee out of 10 million <laughs> seems a bit pathetic doesn't it <laughs> but okay that's what you do so you put aside the measuring mind as the leader then what it measures is this is the quality it doesn't measure things in terms of sense consciousness external this that and the other it measures things this is you held this beautifully with clarity compassion and balance this is what could be done you've entered the we sense with clarity good heart balance and poise that's what you could do and maybe what comes into that will be more you know the Buddha started out as a one man show (laughs) and so many of these great teachers started out as just singles 
sit down, just do the right thing, and then people gather around and stuff starts to to potentize. Because if you're, you know, the beauty of it is that, particularly in terms of dhamma, you know, if you're tuning into it, it has a natural quality to propagate itself. So we hold the balance, we hold the center. We allow thoughts to rise. But my suggestion is you deconstruct, trust the process, and a lot of the process of retreat is really about deconstructing. Sounds kind of negative. But you recognize in order for something to grow, the dead stuff has to peel off. You, know? you see the way a tree grows, you know? and new green stuff comes out, and the dead stuff often falls off. You know? So that green shoot is so fragile, delicate. Doesn't, where's it going? You know, and so that to know what you don't want to do, start producing the the not do list rather than the to do list. <laughs> so you know you can, <laughs> as most people have said, trying to create the to do list, create the not to do list. So okay, let's obvious things: violence, intoxication, abusiveness, manipulation, greed, grabbing, grasping. <sighs> Put that aside. Well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Just start doing that, you know, <laughs> and see what's left. And then in that, you know, you continue that. Well, I've done that, but that's kind of. You start to feel where the energy is. There's no energy in that. It's just a habit. Just going through the same old. It's it's okay, but it's just sort of. Not green anymore. What would it be like to be without that? I don't know. Yeah. In some kind of dead end job. Okay, what would it be like to be without that? Frightening, of course. <laughs> of course. And just wait, poise, rest, calm. Now, opening, it's about openness. Okay, just you move slowly. So, you know, and you get the scent, the taste of the openness and the taste of the potential. Thing. I still don't know, but somehow, you know, life is a continual <laughs> risk <laughs> against death. <laughs> and this is now past. So as we've been saying, we do modeling walking meditation. You don't walk into something, you walk away from, away from the past. Not out of aversion, but just the past is the past. The back is the back. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But that movement, keep the front open. You say, where do you go? Well, trust your body. And the sense of a pace that feels comfortable, and a sense in which, well, this isn't going to distract anybody else, I'll just go this way and, you know, it's fine. Until, pause, then you can do a repeated to and fro track if you've 
because that can have a comforting rhythm to it, provided it doesn't get into be a kind of monotony. You know, like the doctor's waiting room, just pacing backwards and forwards. No, that's that's I don't see that as skillful meditation. Should be every step is just that. Muse a track just for convenience. Some people don't even use tracks; they just go, <laughs> you know, or go around a circuit. You can do that. Yeah, circumambulate a Buddha or circumambulate a forest if you like. You know, you can do that. It's just something you don't have to keep figuring out where you need to go. Just trust simple track, and then keep the openness. And within that openness naturally all kinds of sensations, sights, sounds, yeah, but that's kind of, that's around me, that's always changing and moving, and then within, you know, thoughts, moods, impressions, concerns, it's bubbling away, and, okay, just to keep open, and, you know, stop claiming it as myself, it's what it is, it's arising, maybe some things are just kind of ventilating, you know, just bubbling out, uh, uh, and somehow in that process of allowing that you, you can find certain kind of resolutions begin to firm not resolutions and one is faith you know because it's the faith that hope keeps that openness uh, you know, so now we're not putting in the content so much as the proper container with which content will naturally arise there's always something's going to happen <laughs> so rather than trying to figure out what is going to happen what should happen what I'm going to do what's going to happen and it's this right no, just create the container or the, okay, and then that container whatever those, you know that helps to potentize, almost invite the good the true and the beautiful which is still not a thing these are just qualities so why should we do retreat you've got to go slowly to allow that process most of us have rushed in on a track in our lives you know, did our school did this, did that, did that, got training in this, got education in that, so boom. It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of human constructed track. Some are better than others, but they're all human constructed. There's also, uh, you know, what happens, <laughs> you know, when the construction is done by faith, energy, mindfulness, discern- collectedness, and discernment. And these are called the five Indriya. Yeah. And they begin to arise. You know, they're, they're always there for us, but we don't necessarily potentize them because we're busy, our minds are busy filling up the center rather than trusting it. We're occupying the center. I am sits in the center. My stories sit in the center. My biography sits in the center. My world sits in the center. So no, that's not the center. That's that's you know, that's just, that's the kind of stuff that's just kind of crammed in. 
to that. And we say, we recognize, well, the very key, you know, the key feature of that center, the crystalline absolute key pivot of that center is me. I am the center of my life, obviously. So, okay, what's that? (laughs) What's that me thing that's the center of your life? What is it? Um, Well, you know, it's me, I'm female and so forth and, and so forth and this height and this name this size this age that's your body you're talking about that's not you it changed didn't it it comes and goes doesn't it yeah, it's not under your control is it no no but I'm, you know I'm kind of I'm the one who owns this I'm living in this body well whereabouts do you live in that body um, probably somewhere up in this little box behind my eyes. <laughs> then you can have it, the whole thing. There's nobody in here. <laughs> so maybe I live in my mind instead. That's my mind. So it's your mind, right? It's your mind, isn't it? So you should be able to say to your mind, okay, mind, I'd like you now to do this. I'd like you to stop thinking and be happy. Because <laughs> you're my mind, so I'll tell you exactly what you're going to do. It doesn't work, does it? <laughs> so <laughs> it's just stuff. <laughs> yeah. Now, the I am is created by this congestion. Right. It's compounding and congesting and owning and, and the sinful feature of it is called grasping but it's not something anybody does it's a kind of a, a quality that congests everything sticks everything together Try to because it's trying to make something solid and stable and certain and definite because that's that's the basic message of what this what's called a vijja not knowing the center we don't know the truth if the true center is not known there's this sense of we'll get something there to hold on to of course so even it's you know the I am world that all of us live in I'm sure it's not fantastic it's not <laughs> you know it's, it's kind of you know that's <laughs> but at least it's me I know who it is, you know. We, you get, you know, you, you learn to live with it, don't you? But on a retreat, how much of it's necessary? Hmm? How much of identity do you need to walk? <laughs> it gets in the way, actually, because <laughs> the identity that walks, saying, "How am I doing this right? How long should I do it for?" I think they do it differently in, in, in some other schools of Buddhism, they walk different. What's she walking like? <laughs> Which way should I walk? No, I should get better at my feet, my legs. So the identity just makes a problem out of it, just then the body walks. She don't need an identity to walk, you just need a body. So you put aside what you don't need. That's the theme. That's the practice. And then walking will happen. Set up that basic 
So it takes faith, doesn't it? Trust, openness to say, just put aside that which has become so powerfully centered, so powerfully preoccupied, the I am world, to actually put any of it aside for a few instants is kind of like a major leap of faith and often takes quite a bit of, of subtle rebalancing. Not so much aversion, but just come into the whole body and walking and realize you don't need an identity. Oh. Yeah. And all that it, all it makes up, you don't need a future now. And it's not saying, well, well yeah, but it's, you know, got to get realistic. I do need a future, well, but you don't need it now. So just see what it's like to not have one for until the bell rings. <laughs> and then you see that that's quite a that already is quite a practice. So walking is very simple, but deconstructing takes quite a bit of faith and a rebalancing of energy. So the second, what's called the second leader is energy, virya. So we are all energy formations. It's all there. We're packed with it. Every thought takes energy. Every emotion takes energy. Every movement takes energy. It's all energy playing different forms, different tunes, playing down different flutes and different systems. It's energy flowing. Right? But uh, it's normally forming, formulating thoughts, moods, sensations, things we can focus on. Focus on. So you 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 you're not going to switch that off. You can't switch it off. Death will do it for you. <laughs> yeah. So, but there it is. It's the life force flowing through. <coughs> so now we can't really switch it off. We don't want to set up negative currents in there, like, I shouldn't think this, I shouldn't feel that, I should stop being this. You don't want to have negativity rolling around. Just say, okay, but instead expand your, your energy to fill the entire body, your back, your arms, your fingers, your ears, as much as you can. Not so much any of the, of the anatomical body, but the body's energetic potential, which again, What's that? Okay, you say your vitality. And this again is a practice, because again for the way that the vitality of our systems is, is the vitality gets shaped and formed by the containers that we put it in. You know, if we've been put into containers that rely upon a high velocity push energy, you know, which a lot of jobs and work does, then our energy packet is pretty compressed. Pretty tight and compressed. So it gets like that. So that becomes me. That's me. that's who I am. That's where I am. You know? And if we try to say, well, okay, just roughly speaking, your body, and it would probably be from the eye, eyebrows down to about somewhere below the throat. This is the me bit. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of it is sort of out there somewhere. 
but uh, you know, I'll, I'll call upon him when I need a hand. I'll get a hand, but I won't bother with an elbow. It's not very important. But I have a hand. <laughs> Shoulder don't need. So you just get a hand rushes out and grabs something and pulls it back. So it's a massive disconnect <laughs> of, of brokenness. And at a certain pressure, the system almost leaves the body altogether. It's just a pair of glaring eyeballs. Uh, with a sense of uh, forehead uh, charging away. That's when you get really pressurized. Uh, and the rest of it's kind of gone. And again, we can reach out for it as a hand, get a foot. But the whole connectivity of the system is gone. We don't feel, when we move ahead, we don't feel the wrist, the arm, the shoulder, the chest. Just get the hand rushes out. Yeah. So just establish, okay, well, really? Get your whole body here. So when you walk, you don't have to flap your arms around, but you're aware of your fingers, your back. Then it comes into balance. Everything's there. Yeah, some people, some places are quite sensitive, some less, but it's all there. Okay, there's, there's the. So you've rearranged your energy to be in a less of this constricted way, and that constriction is dependent upon particular programs of attention, yeah, and programs of intention. We want something done quick, sharp, hard. Generally, what will happen is the intention, the motivation, the, the do-it energy becomes strong and parts of our sensitivity drop away because we've got to get this done. So parts of our sensitivity kind of take a back seat and parts of the body disappear. Yeah. How many people are aware of their backs when, they, when they're doing something? You know, and so that's why back damage is so so common. Go lift something up. Okay, so there's the thing I'm lift up. Oh, what happened to my back? Because <laughs> your your eyes decided to lift that thing up. Your mind rushed forward. You had a couple of hands that were there, and the rest of your body wasn't there. So, oi. Yeah. So, so then we drop the back altogether. Actually, the back is the most very important part of us because that's with our our strength and our stability so even just remembering whole body including the back the bits you don't necessarily use energy becomes more balanced with body energy become more balanced the way it goes is once you get one part of the energy system steady and comfortable the rest of it changes the heart energy becomes more peaceful. Happy. Thinking mind is no longer so frantic. And we can start to recognize the spaces between the thoughts. Have moments when the thoughts trail off and there's a silence. Yeah. And then if you want to think something, you can think, and then that's enough of that. So it's no longer compulsive. That's because of the balance. 
And if you learn, you know, it's because... <laughs> so, for example, you know, you take something like breathing, which is you, you really your center of your whole body's vitality system, what does it do? It rises and it pauses. It breathes out and it pauses. And it breathes in. And if it's if you if you're not discerning the pauses, it probably means the system's energy is not yet settled. Because from in breath to become an out breath, from an out breath to become an in breath, it's got to be a turning point. <laughs> what's at that turning point? So not trying to create a pause, what's at the turning point of the end of the out breath? Could that be as relaxed and non-pressurized as possible to let it happen? What happens when the will relaxes? That's a significant feature. There's the openness, and then things form, breath form, comes in again, energy changes. So that's, that's, that's the natural balance process of energy. And if we kind of sense that as a kind of blueprint model for our behavior, you know, the, the in-breath brightens and strengthens and the out-breath discharges. And, um, you know, in the unbalanced state, we don't really know or handle or understand skillfully the value of discharge. It's all the next thing to do. Or if we're not going to do it, we're going to plan for it. So you're getting to the end of the in-breath and already what's the, in- what's the out-breath going to do? I've done one breath, now I can do two. I've done two, now I'm going to get three. Can I maintain mindfulness for the next in-breath? This is kind of fundamental anxiety. High anxiety. It's not as gripping as many forms, but it's that subtle sense of I've got to hold on to it, otherwise it's, you know, I'll lose it if I don't hold on to it. And, um, you know, maybe that's, that's what happens. But then you come back. And gradually the coming back, it begins to firm up. Because we're always going to return to that. And always breathe out. And always breathe in. So you drift and in. And drift and in back. And as the quality of the breathing becomes more comfortable and the mind begins to relax, its uncertainties and missions and agendas and personal topics that become so preoccupying, we deconstruct the center and the heart. This is okay. This is okay. This is really pretty good. So your energy is balanced. And when the energy is balanced, it allows for construction and deconstruction. Growing up and discharging. And often on retreats, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on 
the releasing, letting go, not because this is the, end, the, the whole thing, because it's the bit that gets missed or not understood or not done skillfully. We might say, oh, go, go to work, finish work, and now I come back and I switch to telly on or I uh, have a conversation or I go out for a meal or I prepare for tomorrow or I clean the house or I da da da. Or I switch on, get the phone going, look at my emails, my Instagrams, my, do a bit of surfing and the web and then think about tomorrow and so forth. That's not discharge. <laughs> That's just going on another track. I'm not, I'm not, the discharge is just stop. <laughs> you know? But conscious, it's not slump, because you don't necessarily even discharge in sleep. Discharge takes more skill than that. It means holding the whole field open and allowing energy to be held in that open state. And that frame of reference in that whole body or in the heart that's open and relax the will. And you begin to see what the will is the will to become, the will to have a future, the will to be a person, the will to know what to do. All understandable, but could that relax? We don't know. And, hey, we're still here. Something's here. And that allows energy, because the energy is no longer being held by the will. to make, to form, to succeed, to be sure, to plan the future, to have an eye. No, just take a few minutes, just let it just... And that's how regeneration happens. You know, because the clean, full discharge is like a lymph system. You discharge all the accumulations, the dead cells, the dead memories, the dead attitudes... They're not dead, they'll come back again. They're dead, they'll go. So just discharge them all and then see what comes back by itself. And do it again. And gradually you'll get a purification effect. As you see, more and more stuff is, yes, okay, but enough. Yeah. And then, so that, that kind of. Uh, and then what, what happens, what experience a sense of, of, not of deadness, but of aliveness that's not occupied. Open. And so the you know the Buddha himself, when he commented in this, is you see these verses in the Dhamma part of where he says, "House builder, I've seen you. I've seen you who build the house. Your ridge pole is broken. The rafters are shattered. My mind has gone to the deconstructed." And you think, <laughs> what does that is that good? <laughs> we sunk at because I was just it's had a breakdown, <laughs> but a conscious, <laughs> clear, carefully attended breakdown. 
Uh, it didn't seem to do him any harm. <laughs> it's a release of the will to be for the future. But then what happened? Yeah. So if we kind of look at the history or the legend or whatever it is, the chronicle, yeah. Buddha's mind starts contemplating existence and begins to formulate this understanding of dependent origination, of conditionality, which is quite something. It just began to, that's what happened, that was that, that's how it worked, that's how it was created, and that's how it was disappeared. In other words, there was still enough mindfulness there to be able to, to maintain coherence. It wasn't a kind of chaos that he disappeared into, but a, a sense of emptiness. But still, that capacity to hold the, the emptiness steady, the sati mindfulness. You're mindful of the, of the presence of things, you're mindful of the absence of things. Right? So that's, that's the complete story of mindfulness. You're mindful of things arising, Things ceasing, you're mindful also of that's not there. And that one's more difficult because mostly you want to focus on something that sensation, sight, touch, yeah, but there's also what's not here the openness, the unformed. So the Buddha's capacity for mindfulness was obviously very profound, and he was able to hold this state of. <laughs> non-formation for an extended period of time. Where most of us, maybe it's a second or two. Maybe a little bit longer, maybe not. But he could hold that for a considerable period of time. And so that kind of collecting everything, gathering into that uh, (coughs) deep composure. Nothing to kind of jitter it. Samadhi. Deep samadhi. And again, this is just being downright honest, isn't it? You know, things do arise and pass whether you want them to or not. But if you stay with the passing, where does the sound of the bell go? Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice meditation, isn't it? Are you deaf? No. <laughs> Where did it go? I don't know. What are you listening to? I'm listening to the non-sound. Very keenly. <laughs> this is the kind of crazy thing that practitioners do. Listen to the non-event. <laughs> or the passing of an event where it tails off. You can sense that. And what, what do you... What you're left with, you're left with awareness. Right? Right? 
which is normally occupied. No, it's unoccupied. Yeah. But you can't find that awareness as an object, it just is aware. There's nobody being aware, it just is aware. It doesn't get... It's kind of open. Where does the thought go? Mm. Mm. So you can even practice deliberately having a thought, simple thought. You know, I am forty-five. I am 45 years old. I am 45 years old. Is that? I am 45 years old and one second. (laughs) 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 Just keep the same thought. Eventually the thought becomes kind of meaningless because it's just sound could be anything really. The meaning just begins to disappear, the sound arises, the energy arises in it. Oh. Yeah. So not doing anything really except very carefully examining the conglomerated constructions of our existence, which are normally welded together so densely and interwoven by anxiety, by compulsion, by pressure, by passion, by just feeling I have to be this way, you know, conviction. And you start to loosen up those, that's what retreat's about, and then you start to notice the gaps that appear. And that you can, then you begin to discern that one's not needed. Why bring that one back again? Uh, or at that speed, could it come in more slowly or carefully? Mm. So you get some discernment comes out of that panya wisdom. This is where these called indriyas, leaders of awakening, sadha, faith, energy, mindfulness, collectedness, wisdom. Yeah. They, they said they merge in the deathless. There's a, one of those phrases that's, that's thrown in. They, what? <laughs> they merge in the deathless. It's where they all come together as a sense of an openness that's not about arising or passing. doesn't rise, it doesn't pass. Mm. Now, again, you know, we say, yeah, that's nice, but what I'm going to do? So what I've been suggesting when we uh, do reclining meditation is uh, first of all you deconstruct or allow 
deconstruction to happen. It's not violent, it's not negative, it's just if you don't keep holding things together, they begin to fall apart. So when when we're reclining and the back is being held, that the muscles there don't need to act, so they can soften. When you feel properly covered and spacious, we don't have that anxiety to keep sheltering ourselves or wondering what other people look at us or feel about us, that can go. They start to deconstruct muscle and also psychological muscle or emotional muscle, like, which I mean by, am I okay, what should I be doing? That's muscle tone in the heart. Right? That's the muscles of the heart and mind vibrating, tell me what to do. Almost both. How can I get it right? You can't really get lying down wrong, can you? <laughs> <laughs> and you can't get it right either. This doesn't it goes beyond that. <laughs> so that's a relief because then, oh wow, well, you know, and then nobody's kind of examining me or that, that muscle is held by. It kind of core anxiety it's so subdued and so normal we don't even recognize it we're normally holding ourselves together against something that might that we don't know and then when that passes and then what do you have you have the elements just that sense of the earth the potency of the body to, to animate, fire element, body breathes in, space element, and then the air breathing through you by itself, and the dissolution, everything sinking into the ground, the water element. See this play of these elements when you're reclining meditation. And it's all being done through this particular form Mm -hmm. which at that time we can't see we can't really describe it really it doesn't have an age or identity or all these things that accumulate around that it has presence it's very profoundly present So it's not kind of scrambled, it's very it's present, but it's not named. And so the awareness, instead of accumulating, just says, no, you don't need it. You don't need any of that now. What's that like? Okay. You see, that's your base state. That's where when you deconstruct, when you discharge, that's, you could say, is the base, you know, desktop clean, there it is. And it's alive. It's not dead. And it's, it's vital. And it's bright and stuff is happening, but it's not my stuff happening. Or if my stuff is happening, that can be breathed out. And then the saying, you know, in, the, in that reclining practice, then you bring up the intention, this, this can move. In other words, it could be autonomous. It can determine where to go. 
it's not just the total receptive, it's also an active. But the active arises after the receptive has really opened. Just bring up the sense, this can move. What happens to the nervous system? We take that message in. Things start to... A little bit of potency builds up. Ah, activation. Okay. And then, rather than, hurry up, get going. <laughs> Next thing. Because it's just, what would it be nice, how would it be good to move right now? Oh, sense, just getting the movement so it feels something that feels we're fulfilling our capacity to move in a gentle way with no particular object other than to experience movement mm. and then you know, build it up from there keeping the head as quiet as possible and just using the body so clearly this is just a model of something to kind of experience to have to, to, to sense you know, that where does motivation come from what, so if we're going to be what we're doing in our lives we have to have motivation for it otherwise it's dead either we're just robots you know, motivation comes from that trusting the receptivity then how would you like to move how would you like to live what would you like to bring forth it's not clear yet but I definitely want to bring forth I want to live then you see what arises from that place and say, well, what is important is that is that that quality of presence is maintained, awareness is maintained, the sense of openness, faith is maintained, energy is balanced, mindfulness is present, there's a sense of being able to be composed and collected in what you're doing, not scrambled, and you can clearly discern what's occurring. So you're starting to, you know, get the operating system to operate around a healthy and sustaining and unique, if you like, set of criteria, authentic in yourself, definitely experienced directly. When you get the operating system correctly attuned rather than compulsion, urgency, habit, what other people think I should be in what I was five years ago, then we look, we look around and we see. And that's how it goes. Um, conventional level, most of us have to operate within the conventions of, you know, nationality, identity, these kind of things, but you don't to kind of strapped by them, too contained by them or fixated upon them you can begin to redress what's finished now what's over now where's, where's the growth point and then that's where you begin now this is again not something that operates as a matter of will 
um, that you can suddenly get a crystal clear notion. That's why retreat is this slow process. Yeah. And the trust and the openness, then you begin to get a sense of, you know, within, you know, the field that I, I can contact, within the field which I can contact, the field of associations, connections, so forth. You know, is it what, you know, how to move into that? So, you know, for the Buddha it meant, okay, I don't know. Oh, well, ah, yeah. I'll go and see my teachers, the one who taught me how to practice. And the message came through, they're dead. Okay. Right. I know, I'll go and see those five guys I used to hang out with or who, thought, who all thought I'd flaked out and was flunked <laughs> and written me off as a disaster. I'll go and see them. <laughs> and he got that done. He thought, let her go and see my parents and my family. <laughs> you know? So he just start to build up the connections like that. And you know, life presents them. Just bring forth the good, the true, the beautiful. It's an ongoing inquiry, isn't it? So in your questions, somebody's asking me, you know, what happens if you don't want to teach anymore, or this, that, and the other? Good question. Keep my eyes open. I kind of like the look of the kitchens here at BRC. Those women, they got presence. They really, you see the body language is really relaxed, composed, present. A lot, a lot of arguing, don't hear any arguing, peaceful, doing their thing. I think I could work with these people if they let me in. <laughs> but for now, I'll stay with this. Okay, let's take some time for direct practice.